0: We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix Picks is DFS, simply picking your favorite player over and unders. Head over to PrizePicks.com and use promo code SGP for a 100% instant deposit match. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you by SoBet. Sign up today to bet against your friends and join the special betting revolution at SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's SoBet.io slash SGPN. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. And of course, do not forget to download the SGPN app, your home, for all of our free picks and podcasts. Hopefully you are all well rested from a long Thanksgiving weekend. You had enough turkey to last you until Christmas and that you have had uh, plenty of, as what Scott and I called it uh, uh, offline, questionable football. (laughs) over the course of the last couple of days. Scott Shell back with me as we dive in on another episode of this week's SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sorry for the no uh, no episode on Thursday uh, or, you know, that Friday. As it's well documented, it was the Thanksgiving season. So uh, I needed a little bit of a break to digest some turkey. So I took it and uh, we're back though. and We're ready to hit it hard. Scott, thanks for joining the show. Uh, like I said, we talked about off- offline questionable football right but we're back to normal I think right
1: well we're back to normal in terms of actually having good teams play against each other which might have been a little bit few and far between during the Thanksgiving calendar however hopefully the refereeing changes I doubt it will because that Cowboys Raiders game was an absolute mess from start to finish from an officiating perspective but you know Hockey Lee family has been well known in the NFL. He wanted to be seen on TV and he got a lot of airtime for it.
0: Look, when you are as ripped as the Hockey Lees, you want everybody to see every bit of what you've got. So uh, I guess I don't blame them for for being on TV quite a bit. So, uh, all right. Well, so we do have a game tonight. Obviously, this is Monday night. We're coming out on Monday nights. I I warned you guys that we were coming out on Monday nights and here we are. Uh, So obviously still a game yet to be played. Uh, But look, Sunday was jam-packed enough to cover an episode and we're going to go over it because um, as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs, there's some folks that you drafted kind of high that uh, it's time to hit the panic button on or maybe we need to just cool our jets and know that better things are to come. So Scott and I are going to go over 10 players that uh, I've seen a lot of panic over uh, on social media and and folks really ready to hit the uh, either eject button or just the reset button <laughs> on these people. So uh Scott, are you ready? We're going to load these 10 up and and uh, hopefully help some folks out this week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. We start with somebody I'm listen, everybody forgets that us us fantasy hosts are also fantasy players. And this is a guy that I am absolutely 100% panicking on and that's Aaron Jones. Look, I know that he's got big weeks in him, but man, after last week and a couple of the weeks before that, I'm starting to wonder, are my Aaron Jones shares going to dry up? He's had three not-so-good weeks in a row. Obviously, the injury was one of them, but um, I don't know. Scott, you may have to talk me down on Aaron Jones because it seems like A.J. Dillon might be sneaking in there and grabbing a piece of his pie. So what what do we say about uh, Aaron Jones?
1: So I actually just want to ask you briefly on this. When you're talking about the panic button, the trade deadline in le- in most leagues is probably passed already. So what exactly is your interpretation of Panic Button? Because under no circumstance are you benching Aaron Jones.
0: But are you, though? I mean, listen, I understand that his big playability is there, but I've had weeks where, in fact, the last three weeks where he's cost me a game uh, where a couple more points out of Aaron Jones would have won me the week. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of roster decisions that you can make here and there that that obviously add up to a couple of points more. But, I mean, listen, I've, I've wanted Aaron Jones on my, on my team to produce way more than what he's been producing the last three or four weeks. So, but I'm saying and also you watch AJ Dillon start to tear into that, uh, overall production. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I, I mean,
1: I mean, you can, I don't think it's an ideal situation. It's not ideal for Aaron Jones because of course you have the injuries, which he rushed back from. Hopefully it's not a Russell Wilson situation where he looks awful for about two, three weeks after coming back from injury because he should have waited longer before returning. But Dylan is a guy who I really like as a player, and I thought that Jones kind of got a little bit of his work eaten into last week, last uh, just year in general. I remember the Tennessee game in the snow where Dylan had like 100-something yards, two touchdowns, and I did kind of wonder in the back of my mind if Dylan would get a piece of the pie, as you said before. Now with Jones being banged up, I do think there are some concerns. Now, of course, Jones is still going to be the main guy. And you're assuming since they just paid him a bunch of money, he will remain to be the main guy. So I do think that if you're panicking completely, it's a bit of an overreaction. But my question for you is let's just say you're talking about potentially benching Aaron Jones. Would you bench Aaron Jones for a Miles Gaskin? I think most people wouldn't. You can make an argument based on fantasy production. Gaskin has been the better running back for the last two weeks. But that goes back to my point nobody's going to bench Aaron Jones for miles Gaston. It's just not happening. The way that I see it is if you took Aaron Jones in the, in the first round, which pretty much everybody did, you're kind of going down with the ship. Yep. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And he was the number seven, like consensus pick. And I I think I took him right around there uh, in the leagues that I took him in. So, you know, again, it's just a matter of when you are starting to think about your fantasy playoffs, right. And you got a guy that's on the decline. How much is too much? When you start talking about these guys, because there's a lot of gut reaction players out there, you know, folks that see that and just want to absolutely put them on the bench regardless of who they are. So I don't know. Maybe they're smarter than. Green Bay does
1: have a buy. Green Bay has a buy, though. So you do have an extra week for Jones to potentially get more healthy and to look less rusty than he did yesterday. I'm not going to overreact, though. Jones was supposed to miss multiple weeks. He missed one, which was kind of a shock in itself. And it seemed like Green Bay decided to lessen the workload because he ended up seeing about 49% of the snaps. So I do think that some of that was planned because they didn't exactly expect him to even play against the Rams. I think it should return back to normal. I think he'll probably see 70% of the snaps or so. Dylan will still have a piece, but Jones, when healthier, when healthier, is going to see the bulk of the carries.
0: All right. Thank you, Scott, for talking me down off the ledge again. This is one of those plays where, you know, I, I'm in a situation where I, I lost last week or this this week, actually, in my Scott Fishbowl, and a couple more points out of Aaron Jones would have certainly helped the situation. So, um, yeah, I don't know. All right, so listen, I, I made this show sheet before the news broke, uh, but now the news is out there. Christian McCaffrey on the IR, out for the season. But here's my question, Scott, because Christian McCaffrey is one of those guys where, again, like Aaron Jones, if he's healthy, no one's benching Christian McCaffrey. That is just the simple rule of life. You draft him number one overall, you're going to start the guy. But here's the thing, all right? And, and Dynasty, you can start making moves, and and I mean, there's no trade, uh, trade deadlines, really, in, in most Dynasty leagues or uh, anything like that. So if you are a Dynasty manager of Christian McCaffrey, given his injury background, and given his propensity now for the last couple of years to miss several games. Is this a headache you don't want on your team anymore? Or are we riding or dying with Christian McCaffrey all the way?
1: I think that it's really a tough call for dynasty leagues because you have to ask yourself what the alternatives are. Because McCaffrey, when he plays, is probably either the best fantasy running back or the second best I think Jonathan Taylor is now in the conversation. So I do think he'll be a top two running back that you could have when healthy. But truth is, at the end of the year, McCaffrey was kind of getting his touchdowns eaten into by Cam Newton anyway. So his production wasn't as great as it possibly could be. You're hoping that the Panthers go to another quarterback next year and that he can bounce back. The issue is I think you have to keep him because in terms of alternatives, what do you have? McCaffrey's the guy. And even though his injuries are not ideal, you make the same argument about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's been a guy who's been injured for the last couple of years. We know when he plays for Minnesota, he's really good. But it's not like every other star running back in the league is injury-proof. Derrick Henry's got injured this year. He might not return. Saquon Barkley is injured every year. And it should probably be, a honestly, a third-round picker later if you go through the injury history. But we've had a lot of injuries to a lot of star running backs in fantasy this year. Year. So I do think that if you're going to treat McCaffrey harshly because of the injury history, you got to start looking at other guys who can make the same arguments against them because Dalvin Cook's one of those cases, as I said before, I think you got to keep him because the upside is there. And it seems like a lot of the star star first round running backs have gotten injured this year. So McCaffrey's not alone in that aspect.
0: But does do it does this make a case for zero RB?
1: I think you can make a case, but you can also make the argument that fantasy itself is a little bit lucky in terms of the avoiding injury aspect of it. So I do think that regardless of what player you pick, injuries happen. Of course, you kind of want to avoid the guys who have had numerous histories in consecutive consecutive years, but I think the upside is too strong. If you don't take McCaffrey and you're going into the next year's draft, who are you taking?
0: Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. So next year, let's say you're doing a startup dynasty draft right now. Is Christian McCaffrey still... The first guy off the board?
1: I think he might be. I think Jonathan Taylor might be the first guy off the board, but the guy who has Jonathan Taylor is going to keep him. So I don't think you're going to have access to Taylor if you're doing a redraft the following year. So assuming that Taylor gets kept, assuming that all these star guys get kept, and you end up not keeping McCaffrey, I don't know who's on the board that you'd rather have over a healthy McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, it's tough. The running back landscape has just been. So terrible, so difficult to, to manage. Well, but
1: What do you think, by the way? Do you think Taylor has overtaken McCaffrey as the number one fantasy back? Because I actually do. Oh. I think Taylor is a ridiculous player who, when he gets the ball 20 plus times a game, is kind of just guaranteed a touchdown in 70-something yards.
0: He's that guy that we watched Christian McCaffrey be a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. right? He's that he's that explosive running back that when he touches the ball, and and he proved it too in that game a couple, or last week rather, when they weren't even giving him the ball in the first half, and then all of a sudden they gave it to him to start the second half, and what does he do? He ripped off a drive that pretty much covers half the field. So he's, he's proven that he's explosive, and I think you're right. As far as running back one, uh, he's definitely in the conversation now. I mean, with Christian McCaffrey next season, he's going to be one of those first round guys now where he wasn't last. If you got him as a steal this last time, consider yourself lucky. Cause somebody that's going to try to draft him this year is not going to get him at the price that you got him last year. Yeah. So, um, I agree. All right. Somebody's stock who uh, look, this is another one of those situations that Aaron Jones situations, you know, the production is there. You obviously know that if you have George Kittle, you are going to start George Kittle because at tight end, it's almost a barren wasteland afterwards. But you know George Kittle's been getting some production. You know that he's getting in the end zone for the last couple of weeks before last week. But then last week happens. And and also, not just that, but you're starting to notice a trend in San Francisco that may very well mean George Kittle blocks more than he starts catching passes as they're running the ball at an obscene rate, which I love, by the way. I love a good running game. Um, but look, Scott, George Kittle... Are we are we panicking on him? I know he's a tight end, and, and the tight end landscape is not the greatest, but, like, is it time to panic on George Kittle?
1: For me, no. I think that Minnesota's a bad matchup for opposing tight ends. You can look at their numbers. They are one of the best teams in the league at defending the tight end position. So I'm not surprised Kittle struggled to put up numbers last week. The Niners didn't. They scored 34 points, which is definitely, you know, a nice sign there But when you're talking about the importance of running the ball, and of course I agree with you, I think that anytime you can force Garoppolo to not try to win you the game, instead focus on him trying not to lose you the game, you're going to win more games. I just think that's a good way to judge his career as a game manager, which I think is what he is. But you got to look at the other factor, which is if you run the ball so well and so frequently, then Kittle's a nightmare in play action. And I feel like that is where he had most of his success in the early portions of his career anyway. So I do think that getting the ground game going is going to get the rest of the offense rolling because it gives the defense something to worry about and then you can catch them off guard in the passing game. But Garoppolo, best-case scenario, probably going to attempt 20 passes a game if they can get away with that because the ground game will probably go for 40 carries, 200-something yards if they can get away with it. But Kittle, I'm not worried about. I think that Minnesota was just a good defensive matchup him, And you could talk about how Minnesota shut down a bunch of opposing tight ends all season long. But Kittle's really good. Even Kelsey's been a bit, been a bit quiet the last couple of weeks. Waller got injured against the Cowboys. I don't know if he's going to play next week. We'll find out that story. But I mentioned that issue with McCaffrey or Aaron Jones and who you're going to go with as an alternative. Who are you really going to go with an alternative as opposed to George Kittle? Nobody. You got to stick with George Kittle.
0: Yep. And you got to stick with George Kittle. And and again, he's got that injury. Uh, I don't want to say designation, but of course, you know, he's been injured a, a little bit in the last couple of seasons, which gives you pause, but it's George Kittle. And and here's the thing. I, I know that they're not going to try to go to Iuke and Samuel nearly as much uh, after folks watch them on tape. Uh, and, and again, it's time to start letting Kittle back out uh, of the yard. And look, he he had touchdowns in the last three games before last week. And really, I mean, that's what you want out of a tight end is at least a touchdown. So eight, eight, targets against Arizona, seven against the Rams, uh, sadly four against the Jaguars, two against Minnesota. And you're right, Scott. I mean, it, there's really no other alternative, but if you're out there and you got scared last week by the fact that he only saw two targets and you didn't get the end zone, um, don't panic because he's got a matchup against Seattle, which I really like, uh, coming up next week as well. So George Kittle, not somebody you want to panic on, but now tell me because we're moving to that. We're staying in the tight end position, but we're moving to Las Vegas because Darren Waller has got me all sorts of twisted up because I want to like Darren Waller. And then all of a sudden he does to me what he's done to me in the last few weeks. And it's just not something that I particularly enjoy out of a guy that we thought was like at least the second overall tight end. Um, but you know, when you only put up a couple of points here and there in, in uh fantasy weeks, it just wears on you. So Scott, I ask you as I've asked you with all these players, are we panicking on Darren Waller?
1: I think that the only reason why you should panic on Waller are the injuries. Because what we've seen from tight ends throughout the entire league, it's a crapshoot. That's what the tight end position has become in fantasy, where even the main three trustworthy guys are not even that trustworthy anymore. But the point is is when you're looking at my argument before, if you're going to replace him, you need someone to replace him with, and I don't really see many better options than Waller. Now you can talk about the last couple of weeks. He had a 92 yards against the giants had 24 yards against Kansas city, had 116 yards against the Bengals, and had 33 yards against Dallas. However, He got injured in that game. He got targeted five times in about a quarter and a half. So I do think he would have had a big game there. So it does seem like the Raiders have been trying to get him more involved in the passing game. He just unfortunately hurt his knee, and he's currently week to week. So considering the fact that some teams haven't clinched a playoff spot yet in their fantasy leagues and might be competing for a title, I do think it's panic time for Waller, but that's solely because of injuries because you don't know if he's actually going to play or not or how long he's going to be out for.
0: And, and so here's the thing, too, because these these types of positions that we're talking about running back, you don't necessarily stream quite as much. But tight end streaming is definitely a thing. And if you missed out or even if you have Darren Waller and you're sitting here trying to figure out week to week whether or not you should uh, go with them or not. And just like Scott said, it might be time to panic. There are streamable uh, tight ends. I mean, you know, you, you think about guys like. I don't know. Mo Alley Cox comes to mind as far as every once I was thinking, in a
1: while. I was thinking Logan Thomas Logan if you want to Thomas, sleep or coming off the IR.
0: Absolutely. He could still be out there in a league or two because somebody might have dropped him or, or if you don't have an IR slot uh, in your league. Yeah, Logan Thomas, he's starting tonight uh, as mm-hmm. it were. So if if you can grab him um, before he starts tonight, that would be ideal, right? Because you don't have to, on waivers, if he hasn't played, you could still snatch him up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and Logan Thomas could be that guy that rides in and, and wins you uh, a championship because I think he's going to get a very good run uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, but again, like I said, if you're a tight end streamer um, and and you are, or are you not and you want to become one and you have Darren Waller, now might be your time to start uh, messing around with that. So uh, I, don't well,
1: know. I have a tight end and I have a tight end on my team that I had a similar issue with the start of the year. I had Mark Andrews who did nothing for about the first month and change. But of course, I stuck with Mark Andrews because you look around at who's available on the market. Nobody's Mark Andrews. Same way with Darren Waller. If you have him, you're going to start him. The issue is you don't know how long he's going to be out for. So you need to start having a plan B.
0: Absolutely. I know. Especially, yeah. Especially if you're you're trying to figure out going into the fantasy playoffs, uh, whether or not he's going to be available to you. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Somebody who's available to you and has been available for you for most of the season But all of a sudden, the Rams uh, starting to look like they're a little bit um, fallible, right? Three game losing streak here coming into it. Matthew Stafford started red hot and and had the world on fire, but has since cooled off quite a bit. Uh, So listen, my question here about Matthew Stafford, he had a pretty decent fantasy game, but have folks figured out this Rams offense yet? And will we see, I know he's got a a matchup against the Jaguars next week, but that could be one where they get up early and run the ball quite a bit. But against, he's got matchups against Arizona, Seattle, and San Francisco coming up. I mean, those are all tough divisional matchups there. Uh, So are we worried about Matthew Stafford? Is it time to hit the panic button heading into a very, very difficult end of the year schedule?
1: Well, I do think it's time to hit the panic button, but you're not going to bench him against Jacksonville. So no matter what you think of him right now, this is going to be the litmus test week. You have to determine if he's your guy for the next couple of weeks for a playoff run or even a title run in this case. If he performs well against Jacksonville, you're going to ride with him. It's the way it is. If he struggles against Jacksonville, then it gets interesting. But he'd be a lot better in fantasy if they included pick six touchdowns in terms of. Pro Fantasy Points because he gives has at least one at each of the last three weeks. But Stafford's a guy who his entire career has been described as a good stats quarterback who performs poorly against good teams. That was his reputation, and people blamed it on the Detroit coaching staff, which is fair because Detroit never really beats anybody. But from what we've seen this year, besides the Tampa game, he really hasn't done anything against good teams. And even Seattle has been a mess this season. So Seattle, he struggled with a little bit in that game, put put it together late, but they face off against Jacksonville as you said. Arizona's defense has been, I'd say, okay against the pass. It's a pretty solid unit, not amazing, but Seattle's defense again, not really sold on that unit. Colt McCoy torched them last week, so I don't, I'm not, I'm not exactly sold on the new Legion of Boom, which is completely non-existent anymore. But Minnesota's defense isn't great. Baltimore's defense has been very good lately. I think Jacksonville's a good test to see if he can beat up on some bad teams, but he really has not looked good. He's had issues with his finger as well, which we've seen the the training staff work on for the last couple of weeks. I'm not a huge Stafford guy in terms of all around quarterback play. I do think you should be lukewarm on him moving forward. You,
0: I think it's funny because when he moved from Detroit to LA and started to play very well, Uh, that was everybody's justification to say, you know what, Matthew Stafford's been great this whole time. He's just been held down by the Lions. And part of that could have been true. But I think these last few weeks, we're starting to see uh, what happens when the league catches up with a player uh, on a new team. Because again, we've always said that, that the NFL is a very wise, wise organization where coaches will catch up to you, right? I mean, you could look great but then all of a sudden the film starts to catch up. And I think this is where we're at with Matthew Stafford. And like you said, Scott, this is going to be the big test is whether or not Jacksonville can uh, at least stay and keep pace with the Rams. Because by all rights and accounts, they've proven that they could blow out some teams. I mean, they, they've proven that they can put some teams away.
1: Yeah. The Rams are favored by about 13 and a half points. So you're expecting a bloodbath. The Rams have lost three in a row. They need a get right game. This is the definition of a spot where you should win this game by 40. And the question is, are they going to show up and have enough, I'd say, focus to get the job done? I think Stafford goes off this week because I think that the Rams are going to need him to. But if he struggles, then I do think it's time to start preparing other options.
0: I do, too. Again, quarterback streaming is a thing, just like tight end and DST streaming. So, um, you know, start looking at matchups for quarterbacks down the road. Uh, All right. And while you do that, we're going to step away for an ad break. Come back. We got five more to go here on the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Of course you are. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. You get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. So get in on all of your favorite teams, players, sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and so much more plus WinBet has some brand new bonuses for yet another week of nfl action so please make sure to get in and use some of those bonuses on your favorite week 12 action new users you bet a dollar you can win a hundred dollars on any sport plus you can get up to fifteen hundred dollars as a free bet on WinBet if you make a first deposit of twenty dollars or more and whatever your first wager is Winbet is going to match at 200%, so you bet $100, you're going to get $200 for free. Of course, that max wager is in effect of $750, so that $1,500 $1, match is still in effect. Great promos, odds, payouts, all happening right now at Winbet, from booster parlays to live in-game mods on every major sport. We have what you need to win. Are you ready to play? Sign up today. You're going to get a special offer. It's a risk-free $1,000 sports bet. So bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com. Prize Picks. We are brought to you, as always, by Prize Picks. It is the easy way to play Daily Fantasy. It's Daily Fantasy Simplified. Look, you pick two to five players and an over-under on their projection, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. You can use the promo code SGP right now. You're gonna get a 100% deposit match up to $100. It's you versus the projected numbers. That's it. No middlemen, no nothing. You versus your knowledge. Prize picks, ton of stats to choose from, including yards, receptions, touchdowns, fantasy points, so much more. Plus, it allows mixed sports entry, so you can take the over on LeBron on one side, combine it with the under on Mahomes in the very same entry very few places you can do that prize picks also offers every sport you can think of like nfl college football nba college basketball mb soccer mma Pretty much, if you could think about it, it's probably there. PrizePix also has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and on Google Play. It's 4.8 star rated in the App Store with rave reviews, plus entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's literally that easy. PrizePix also offers safe and fast withdrawals, so make sure you head over now to prizepix.com. Use that promo code SGP for the 100% deposit match. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bet. If you are not using PropSwap, you seriously are missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell sports bet. You can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit. PropSwap's gonna double it up to $500. Double the cash once again, means double the odds. If you love sports betting, you're listening to this. I know you do. You need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their sports bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. The average PropSwapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets on PropSwap. Who couldn't use an extra $500 bucks a month, especially now with the holidays coming in, You could use that. So get started today. Going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We are back. It is Scott. It is Rod. It is the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network breaking down some panic buttons. Uh, There's that red button that they had for Office Max, Office Depot, that uh, easy button. This is not the easy button. These are not easy (laughs) decisions to make because these players in some cases have been uh, making you sweat far more than you want to on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. One of those players, Scott, for me, as we kick back into it, (sighs) DK Metcalf. I don't understand this guy. He's so great. But the last two weeks, I don't know if the bye week had him napping a little too much. Uh, but not even double digits in uh, fantasy for the last couple of weeks. He's going tonight, again, as we record on a Monday night. So if he does it for a third straight week, Scott, what are we doing about DK Metcalf? And really, this whole Seattle offense as a result.
1: Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure the easy button was Staples. There I you think. go. I think that was Good the call. company that did the uh, that's easy button. But anyway, Metcalf, I can't even blame because they're looking at Seattle's offense since Wilson came back. And I talked about how Aaron Jones came back earlier than people thought. And as a result, Green Bay seemed to limit his workload as a result. You can't really do that with the quarterback position. So Wilson came back, he got the pin taken out of his finger, and everyone thought Seattle means business now, they're ready to go. And now you realize, oh, that's why Wilson was supposed to miss two months. Because he came back early and he cannot throw the ball. You're looking at how he's performed, he's not accurate and it seems like his decision-making is not the greatest either, but it seems like he's trying to make throws that maybe he used to be able to make when he's at 100%, but he's not at 100%, so he's been trying to fit some throws into some windows that he can't get away with. But I'm not going to blame Metcalf. I am going to blame Wilson for his toughness for coming back so early, but it seems like because he is clearly less than 100%, there's been a trickle-down effect where everyone has gotten punished for it. Now, Lockett looked pretty good, against Arizona in the last game. He had a couple of big catches, but still didn't have a touchdown or anything like that. But Wilson needs to get it together at some point. I'm not sure percentage-wise what he's at right now. I'd assume in the Arizona game, he was probably close to, I'd say, 40% healthy. Is, do you think that's a good guess? Because he really didn't look right at all.
0: No, he hasn't. And he hasn't over the last couple of weeks. But really, again, this whole Seattle offense uh, has not looked the greatest since the bye week and since uh, Russell Wilson decided, just like you said, to come back a little too early. And and for me, that's one of those situations where you know DK Metcalf, I, again, Scott, none of these guys that we're talking about are, are no-brainer sits, right? But you have to start evaluating some of these guys at, at a certain aspect of who do you have that you could replace him with, but also looking at the matchups. I mean, again, tonight he's going against Washington. So that's going to be a good test, but then San Francisco, Houston, and then the Rams. So again, Houston's probably going to be one of those things where just like Matthew Stafford, Wilson needs to beat these guys by a gazillion points. And if he doesn't, then you should be worried heading into 15 and 16, right?
1: Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. But in terms of Metcalf, I do think you have an argument to potentially bench him. Of course, you have to wait till Monday night, to see how they look against Washington's defense, which let's just say has struggled so far this season, almost every aspect, especially now that Chase Young is out. But you're looking at DK, and he has not been great lately. I do place most of that blame on Wilson, and we'll see how he looks tonight, because if he doesn't start looking better, Seattle might just pull him for the rest of the year because they'll be out of every single playoff race imaginable.
0: Yep, and you could be looking at some sort of other type of, of option at wide receiver it's just been such a weird season overall with injuries. And
1: do you think that's possible? Do you think Seattle maybe goes with 10 losses and says it's Geno Smith time? Because why not? We got nothing else to lose.
0: Oh my God. Could you imagine? I don't know. I mean, it depends on if Wilson is bringing it
1: up. I'm bringing it up because it is food for thought. Wilson's had injury issues. The last thing you want to do is injure your franchise's best player of all time in a meaningless game where your team's well out of contention i am curious if at some point seattle pulls the plug i think pete carroll's getting fired so i I don't know if he's going to keep his job or not but i do wonder if that's in the back of the mind of the front office who might say wilson got injured this year but he's so good we might have to pack it up and wait till next
0: year i mean if they're out of playoff contention by the next couple of weeks i mean i i think this week right if they if they don't win they may not even be in the in the conversation for it. So you could be if right they
1: lose that if they lose their clinched to losing record because now you're playing 17 games, you'd have officially nine losses. It's over. Actually, no, sorry. You'd have eight losses. My bad. I thought there were three and eight. But the point is, it's not pretty. I do think that if this team ends up with 10 losses, they have a 0% chance of making the playoffs. They really might pull the plug at the end of the year.
0: That could be it, and then you could really be uh, suffering because we've all seen what Geno Smith does to DK Metcalf's value. Uh, If there's a toilet nearby, it goes straight down it. Uh, All right, so let's move to the Colts who, look, uh, Michael Pittman has been a guy who got you a a pretty decent stretch there from about week seven to about week nine, right? For three games, he looked really good. Uh, A couple of outliers on top of that. But over the last three weeks has not necessarily been as productive. He's gotten the looks, but he hasn't done much with them. And maybe that's the Colts' fault. Maybe that's Carson Wentz's fault. But I know a lot of folks are high on Michael Pittman. There's a lot of Michael Pittman truthers out there. Um, so, Scott, what say you to the Michael Pittman truthers?
1: I think that Pittman's a very talented player, but I do think that the Colts have fully pivoted to a an exclusive Jonathan Taylor better get this ball offense, which I'm going to come up with a catchier with a catchier term for that offense. But I like to call it the give me the damn ball offense because that's what Taylor kind of needs to do if they're going to win games. Pittman's very good. And I'm and I acknowledge that they took a couple of shots with him. One got intercepted in that game. But Taylor is the engine that makes the offense go. And for better or worse, Pittman will get some one-on-one opportunities where he might be able to catch some jump balls. He might be able to catch a big 60-yarder. But in reality, shouldn't Taylor be getting pretty much all of the red zone work because he's an unstoppable human being?
0: Oh, Absolutely. I mean, the guy, again, just like you had alluded to, this is a situation where we saw Carson Wentz in that first half of the game try to put it all on his shoulders. and And for whatever reason, it just wasn't working. Once they came back out of the huddle in halftime and gave the ball to Taylor, magically, all of a sudden they were moving the ball. So I think if it doesn't take a, a degree or a rocket scientist to know that this is Jonathan Taylor's world in Indianapolis. Um, and look, to be honest with you, it, Carson Wentz hasn't been able to win ball games really since he was with the Eagles. So um, yeah, any of his receivers suffer suffer because of that. And now T. Y. Hilton making a re-emergence. I, I think Pittman, yeah, this might be the time for you to kind of hit the panic button on Pittman.
1: But even when Pittman was doing well for about that month stretch, was he a huge reception guy or was he just catching a couple of jump balls per game for a touchdown? Uh,
0: they, I am. Mean, they were 50-50 balls at that, you know. That's again, what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: So that's what Pittman does. Pittman's the kind of guy who can get you a big completion with a jump ball. Is he elite at creating separation? Not really, but he's athletic with his verticality. So I do think he can potentially catch you a long bomb for 50, 60 yards. But in terms of consistency, I'm not surprised the guy who was feasting on 50, 50 balls suddenly had a cold spell.
0: Well, and that's what I'm saying. So I'm looking back at his log and he's got one, two, three. uh, Well, basically, we'll call it four games with uh, a long reception of over about 35 yards, which I, I, I consider to be one of those 50, 50 type balls. So. You're right, absolutely right, where he can get you those, those 50-50 balls, and that's where his his value lies. And Carson Wentz probably won't be throwing many of those 50-50 balls uh, over the next few weeks. Plus, they've got a bye week in Week 14. So, again, Michael Pittman, you're going to have to look for another option in the beginning parts of your fantasy playoffs, even if you were to make it. So, um, got to see what he does against Houston here. If he puts up another dud against Houston, um, I think you're looking elsewhere for help uh, rather than Michael Pittman. So. Uh, all right, let's move on. This is another situation with the Aaron Jones type of a thing in my opinion, Scott and maybe maybe' I'm, I'm reading the room wrong or, or uh, not really evaluating this properly, but look, we all know Zeke likes to eat. It's well documented. everybody says it. Every announcer alludes to it. Um, but look, Tony Pollard has has put up a chair at the table and I think he's starting to steal some forks and knives. From Ezekiel Elliott and and really kind of biting into it. Now look, again, Zeke's production has been Zeke's production uh for a while now. But again, you start to see Tony Pollard creep in and maybe it gives you pause. So I, I hate to ask this question, but Scott, are we panicking on Ezekiel Elliott?
1: I think the answer is yes for the following week because I don't think Dallas is going to play him against New Orleans. You've already heard some rumors circulating that because of Elliott's injuries they feel comfortable giving him a week off, especially since the Eagles lost to the Giants. They had they just gained so much extra breathing room in that division, so I think you could get away with it. They should beat the Saints anyway, because what we saw on Thanksgiving is that Trevor Simeon is not an NFL quarterback, or at least not a starting NFL quarterback. They have no receivers who are worth anything. Kamara's been injured. They really have nothing to show for it. So Dallas should win that game regardless, but I do think that panicking on Elliott has some merit, because I think that he's not going to play this upcoming week. If I had to to put a percentage on it, I would say I personally think there's a 75% chance he's not going to play. It might sound high, but when you've heard reports immediately after the Thanksgiving game, which was a loss, by the way, telling you, by the way, this guy might not see the field, I'm assuming that he's pretty injured. And I think that he's not going to see the field. And even when he is there, I think Pollard's a more talented running back, which sounds like heresy, but I do think it's true. Now, Elliott is an elite-blocking running back, which goes really just under under the radar because he's so good at blitz pickup. It's pretty much him and Marshall Falk, as far as I'm concerned, is like the best two uh, blitz pickup running backs, arguably of all time. But I do think that Elliott doesn't have the explosiveness he used to have. The ball security's been an issue. And Pollard is extremely twitchy, and you notice when either of them are on the field, there's a drastic explosiveness differential between the two of them. So I think that Pollard should continue to have a role in the stall offense, which is really concerning for Elliott Fantasy owners. But I'm not starting Elliott next week no matter what, because I think he's not going to play.
0: Yep. And, and again, with Taysom Hill taking the snaps... Um you got to think that this is going to be one of those situations where they really can just hand the ball to Pollard as much as they would to Elliott and and let him go. Um because you know, here's the thing, with with the Dallas Cowboys and the way they run their offense, like it's Dak Prescott doing Dak Prescott things and when they try to force it seems to me as as the uh, the passive observer that I am sometimes with the Cowboys that when they try to force feed Zeke is when Things go wrong Uh, when it sort of develops naturally and the game flow goes. He's more productive, but when they try to just force it to him, defenses know what they're trying to do and they pin their ears back and go after Zeke. So, um, I mean, again, it's he's not the first round pick that most people had him as and maybe you got him in the background of the second round. But I mean, you're going to have to start looking hopefully you grabbed Pollard. Right? Hopefully you had the foresight enough to grab Pollard. So if he does sit, you know that you can plug him in. But if you didn't get Pollard, um, I I hope you're making some other plans uh, for Ezekiel Elliott. Bet or Fantasy. It's a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the matchups. You can cash out for gift cards when your bet hits and even help raise money for charity along the way. It's a brand new company. They want to grow their early adopter community. So get in there. It's the Slick and. Fun app to use one of the reasons we love it so much is that they're offering prop betting so if you're in a state that hasn't legalized gambling yet and i know I'm sitting in a chair in a state that's like that you can get in on some prop bets on better fantasy plus they just added a cool bonus if you can get your entire league listen to this Entire league to join better fantasy. They're gonna give the league a $150 gift card to get a sick-ass trophy from trophysmack.com who what league does not need a trophy, right? I mean if you're playing in one without a trophy, this is a great incentive to get in It's free So it's totally free to play download today for the Android or iPhone check them out today at betterfantasycom sgpn that's b-e-t-t-o-r fantasy.com sgpn I want to know, when did sports betting become so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social, right? So when I picture sports betting, I'm thinking bootleggers with mustaches, tossing bet around in a speakeasy. Well, SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it, but providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account for yourself and see for yourself. Through their fully functioning and free web application, you can access a demo of their app, which will launch next fall. The app includes consensus lines from Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and... The ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via text, QR code, links, and so many other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it is purely competitive. So the next time you are with your friends watching sports, turn up the dial-a-notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing any metric they want, as long as somebody is on the other side to accept. Let's get back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's SoBet.io slash SGPN today to join the revolution. And as always, the SGPN app is now live and available for you on the App Store and the Google Play Store, giving you easy access to all of our picks and our podcasts. While you're at it, toss this show an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right. So uh, let's move on to Denver, where Cortland Sutland, Sutland, Cortland Sutland, that's a tongue twister. Cortland Sutton has been impacted by Jerry Judy's return. And look, there's a lot of folks out there that have Cortland Sutton, Sutton on their roster. Maybe not on their tongues. But uh, look, he's done you well for the better part of the season. Every once in a while, there's haven't been some good games in there, uh, especially the last few weeks. But if you are a person hanging on to Cortland Court, Sutton, are you panicking or have you already panicked and this is just too late now?
1: I think the answer is B, because I had Sutton, and I dropped him about three weeks ago. I wasn't going to have it. Now, Sutton's a guy who I've got a lot of value on. I got him in the double-digit rounds, honestly, off of injury because a lot of people were selling on him. I thought there was upside there. Denver gave him a contract extension, so they do like what they see. The issue is that Bridgewater's never been a guy to accumulate a large number of passing yards. They have a two-headed monster. In Gordon and Williams, Williams is very good, by the way. So I, I do hope he gets more touches moving forward. But the point is, is that Denver has embraced the identity: run the ball first, throw the ball second, and we'll go from there. So Sutton has been a big play receiver. The issue is he has a quarterback who don't necessarily, who doesn't necessarily like to throw the deep ball. So I kind of feel like Sutton is a receiver without a home because he doesn't fit the actual system that Denver's trying to run but he has the talent to be more involved in the offense. I gave up on him in terms of fantasy production. I like him as a player. I hope he does well in the future, but I really went in a different direction because I couldn't keep waiting around for him to maybe get a deep target or two, which he's not getting. So I think it's time to move on from Sutton. If you're holding on for him because he has the chance to explode, maybe that's true. But with Judy back in the lineup, he's done next to nothing. I think it's time to move on.
0: I mean, you get that that game out of him where he can go for, what was it, uh, 120 yards on seven catches and a touchdown. Uh, but then again, a lot like Pittman, what you, we talked about with Pittman, Scott, is that this guy has had long catches of over 30 yards, one, two, three, four, four times, uh, and so you're right, he's, he's a Pittman-esque type of a situation where he can do well if he can catch those long uh, jump balls or even uh, 50-50 balls. But outside of that, I mean, again, last week, three, three targets, two catches, 17 yards. I mean, that's not a stat line you're at all happy with, especially the week before, two catches, 29 yards. And then the week before that against Dallas, only one catch for nine yards. Uh, so, yes, Jerry Judy returning has really dipped into Sutton's uh, overall viability. Um, and if you have yet to panic on him, uh, now is the time to panic. And I think you can do just like Scott did and just sort of jettison him from your lineup, make up some space for maybe a defense that you want to stream heading into the fantasy championship. What'd you do to well, Mike?
1: Well, for my question for you though, is sudden on most fantasy teams is what a wide receiver for flex give or best. take. Yeah flex tops yeah so the point it's, i'd say it's a flex for a desperate team but yep. the point is it's, he's usually a wide receiver four is there really an a necessity to cling to a wide receiver four not in my they're not going to use same. him anyway so my logic was if i'm never going to start him because i can't trust him then why is he on my team
0: good call and again even if you're a, a fantasy or a, a dynasty person um maybe it looked like or time to to look for a, a buyer somebody who believes in Cortland sutton uh, maybe he goes to another team and, and your value increases even more, but I don't know. We'll see Jury's still out for him. Uh, all right. Somebody who I absolutely get tons of questions on a weekly basis about, uh, and really for good cause, I suppose, because you never know with this guy and we're talking about Mike Williams and, and maybe the Chargers as a whole, uh, which week's going to be a Mike Williams week. Uh, last week certainly was not a Mike Williams week. Uh, in standard leagues, he only got you 3.9 points. But the week before, a Mike Williams week. <sighs> Scott, do we panic because we don't know when, or do we just roll him out and take what we get?
1: I panic. But then again, I've also been low on Mike Williams for most of his career. Now, I know that he was unbelievable for about the first two months of the season. He's another jump ball receiver. It's what he is. He's the kind of guy who can break one for 70-something yards. We saw that against Pittsburgh where he saved his entire fantasy night in the final two minutes of the game because he caught a 60-something-yard touchdown pass to give his team the lead at the end. But is Williams a great route runner underneath? No, that's Keenan Allen's job. Is he the kind of guy who's going to get you eight receptions in a game? Usually, no. He's the kind of guy who gets you four receptions for maybe a 60-yard touchdown, and that's his fantasy day. So I'm not a big Mike Williams guy. He's been surprisingly healthy this year which I'll give him props for because that has been an issue in the past. He seems to get injured all the time. But I've never been high on Williams because of the uncertainty and just the extreme amount of variance you'll get in his games depending on whether or not he ends up completing the 60-yard target down the field when Herbert launches a rocket about 70 yards in the air because he can. I'm not a big Williams guy. I think that if you want the upside with him, I get why you find him an attractive option. I just don't because I prefer consistency over a, just a breakout potential. I'm, I like to play it safe when it comes to receivers because if you can get me a steady twelve points for a week, I'll take that over the potential four, but a decent, but an okay chance at seventeen. Give me the twelve, just straight up, no questions asked. So for me, I'm not. A, I'd look. Up, I'd look elsewhere for Williams, but. I'm assuming your trade deadline is passed already in your league. So if you have a more consistent wide receiver three, I'd consider making the switch and making Williams your wide receiver three. If not, you're kind of stuck with him. But we keep talking about these jump ball receivers who, if they don't get the big completion, they're going to let you down. And that seems to be the case for what we've seen from Mike Williams for the last couple of weeks.
0: Well, and in, so the last six weeks, his last six games, he's only been in the end zone once. And for, for Mike Williams, I don't want to call him touchdown dependent, but his days obviously with touchdowns and it sounds like, of course, Rod, of course you're better with a touchdown, but you know, he's had multiple touchdown games in a couple of his games as well. So if he does not get into the end zone, it doesn't seem like he's getting enough Two catches against New England, two catches against Philly, uh, four catches against Minnesota, four catches against Denver. Like you said, Scott, again, just a four catch guy that he's got to get the big one if he gets in. And and so I I can tell you right now that there are probably other receivers out there on the waiver wire. If you're living and dying by the waiver wire, um, you might have to start skeletoning yourself a crew from week to week and grab that hot receiver. Um, I read on the um In between media, not that we necessarily uh, tout other sites on this, but uh, the the fine folks over there in between media put out a a big holiday uh, list of of things to do, and and one of them just stuck with me, and and it is don't be afraid to borrow somebody for a week, right? If there's a hot receiver with a good matchup that you think is better than Mike Williams giving you or is going to give you that week, don't be afraid to do that. Uh, I know we all love to just set it and forget it, but sometimes you just need to Frankenstein a roster together to get you through the end of the season. Uh, And I think Mike Williams is one of those guys where if you can find a better uh, receiver with a better matchup on the waiver wire, you could probably feel safe uh, starting him over Mike Williams. Am I wrong, Scott, or, or am I off base?
1: No, I think what you said is accurate. And I learned something similar to that a couple years ago because I ended up at one point having Deshaun Jackson on my team as a wide receiver three back when he was still good and, you know, whatever. But the point is, is that he was the ultimate boomer bust guy his entire career because he would never catch more than four passes a game. He'd occasionally burn you for 70 yards and a touchdown. But most of the time, if he didn't catch the big one, you wish you started somebody else. And a lot of the guys we talked about on this show have kind of also fitted that mold where you're looking at a guy who has big playability, but if he doesn't get it, you're, he's going to disappoint you. And I do think that Mike Williams is one of those guys. And what I ended up doing with the Sean Jackson, I picked up a couple of receivers. I liked matchup to matchup week by week and it worked out well for me. So I do think that's a good piece of advice. If you find somebody against a Jacksonville, if you find somebody against a Houston or just, yeah against any poor defense. I do think there is some merit trying to shop around and find somebody who you can trust even for a given week.
0: Hey, you could very well pick up Deshaun Jackson again this time around because he's out there and he might be fantasy viable all of a sudden again. Probably not, but I'm sure he's out there for
1: sure. I don't think I I think that picking up Deshaun Jackson is you just picking up a poor man's Mike Williams. That doesn't solve any (laughs) of your problems. That just creates the same exact dilemma you were in in the first place but I've always been more of a volume guy where I like consistency over everything else because in fantasy, it's so unpredictable. Touchdowns are going to vary no matter what. Give me a guy who can at least bring in yards week in, week out. And Williams is just not one of those guys.
0: Not, no, it's certainly not been this year. So, Um, all right, wow, (sighs) Scott, that is the end of, and look, I think we ended on such a great note, such a great fantasy uh, note as far as how to play the game, right? I mean, you love these players. We talk about some big names week in and week out, uh, but it, it's always best to remind yourself that sometimes good players do bad things. So uh, don't necessarily feel bad if you have to bench one uh, for a week because he hasn't been producing well. I mean, you know, that's just the way it is. So, uh, all right, Scott, let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find your work here on the network and elsewhere.
1: So you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio, all one word. Besides that, doing a lot of articles for fantasy, doing fantasy rankings every week with the SGPN crew. So check those out if you need help. Some last-minute panic decisions on who you're going to start in your respective lineups. Besides that, doing a lot of guest appearances on the PropCast every Wednesday. Also occasionally appearing on the NBA Gambling Podcast. But keeping busy, a lot of editing with podcast, So I'm heavily involved in almost everything here. Happy that we got so many sports up and running, uh, all kind of coexisting together. And hopefully our fantasy seasons go well down the road.
0: I hope so too. We are coming up on the fantasy playoffs and it is going to be an absolute sprint to the end in some leagues for me. Uh, but you know, there's other leagues where I can safely start looking ahead to next season. So hopefully you guys are in the playoffs and all of yours and that we have helped you somewhere along the line. Again, for Scott, for everybody here at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, thanks for listening to this episode. Again, we'll safely be back on Mondays for the rest of the week and, of course, your Thursday episodes as well. Good luck, everyone, in this upcoming week. Uh, Hopefully, you're listening before the end of uh, the Monday night game and uh, get some good tips heading into the waiver wire as well. So, uh, Until next time, everybody, we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Find me on Twitter, at RJ Villagomez, and find the show on the SGPN app. And don't forget to hit that Picks website, Picks, where you can also get your uh, instant deposit match. Use the promo code SGP for that, and, of course, download the app. Until next time, let it ride.